Living by faith comes with its challenges. But those challenges can be met without us drawing back, without us shrinking back, without us missing a beat in fulfilling the life God has called us to live. You want to know how you can do that? You want to know how you can overcome those challenges that you are going to face while striving to live by faith? Well, we're going to give you the answer to that question right here on today's episode of The Faith Life. Hey, what's up, church? It is your dear brother, Damaris Johnson, and welcome to another podcast of The Faith Life where we share with you the processes, the principles, and the methodologies God has given to us to help us live out this life of faith he's called us to live. Remember, according to John's gospel, the 10th chapter, the 10th verse, Jesus came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. The way we possess that life, the way we come into living that life will be by faith and by faith alone. The same way Jesus Christ fulfilled his life is the way we were called to fulfill our life. And I want to encourage you today that you can live by faith. Come on, say that with me. Say, I will live by faith. Praise God. On today's show, we're going to deal with uh, the fourth aspect of what it means to live by faith. If you recall uh, the previous podcast, we've been talking about the four places where faith is declared, where the just shall live by faith is declared unto us. We, we started in uh, the book of Habakkuk. Uh, the second chapter, the fourth verse. Then we went to Romans, the first chapter, the 17th verse. Then we went to Galatians, the third chapter, the 11th verse. And now we are concluding this particular study of the four places. Now, there's so much more to talk about when it comes to it because Jesus talked about living by faith everywhere he went, all through the Gospels. You, Jesus' ministry was about encouraging the, the, the nation of Israel at the time to live by the faith of their father Abraham. So we have plenty to discuss, but these four places, these four places, it is emphatically declared that the just, those who have been acquitted, those who have been set free from the penalty, from the power and the presence of sin, are to live by the word of God in their spirit. We describe faith. Remember the first episode, actually, we describe faith, we define faith, we describe faith, and we showed you how to activate your faith. We define faith as God's word in your spirit. I need you to keep that in mind. That is a staple of what we're talking about. Keep that in mind, that God, faith is God's word in your spirit, and then we describe faith as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and then we showed you how to activate that faith by releasing faith-filled words into the realm that we live, into this realm that we live, into the atmosphere, and by releasing faith-filled words, you're operating in the God degree of faith which is the highest plane of man's ability to operate in the earth. God designed Adam to operate on the highest level possible, and that is to walk the earth and be a son of God by faith. That's the highest plane. That's why your believing excites God's soul, because you're living out who he, who destined you to be and created you to be. So when you walk by the word of God in your spirit, when you allow that word that contacts the spirit and it becomes substance and it becomes the evidence that, that the things that God has spoken to you is real, it's real, it's real, it's alive, it's happening, it's, it's alive in the spirit realm. And all, my, all, now, all I have to do now is pull it over into the realm in which I live every day. And we do that by speaking forth words, by following the instruction that the spirit of God gives us from that word that's down in our spirit. That's a whole process that we went through in the first, in the previous podcast. So I encourage you to go back and, and take a listen at those podcasts, those those first three podcasts, because this podcast, the, the context of how the word is, the phrase is used, the just shall live by faith, is totally different from the 
con from the context that it was used in the previous three verses. In Habakkuk, it was used in a certain context. In Romans, it's used in a certain context. In Galatians, it's used in a certain context. And that context determines the, the direction or the implications of how the just is to live by faith. And in this particular context, in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, uh, it's used in a context that is oh so powerful, that is important for us. And we introduced the subject matter to us. Uh, I want to give you some, some historical background, too, of what we're dealing with so that you can get the full uh, uh, understanding of, of why the word was declared in this particular fashion. Why it was declared in the 38th verse that the just shall live by faith. And the context is so important. The book of Hebrews was written to the Hebrews, to the nation of Israel. It was written to a church that had went through great persecution. So you got to put, put this in your thinking processes that this letter is being written to a church that has been scattered abroad. Remember, it was written to the 12 tribes that are now scattered abroad. So what had happened was the Roman Empire had come through there and they had started killing Christians. They had started burning them up. They had started uh, crucifying them. They had started, you know, causing, chopping their heads off, doing all kinds of things that will try to destroy the faith. And they were really persecuted to the point to where they scattered themselves abroad. They took off. They ran. They, they, went, they went all over the place, hiding and hiding and underground because of the persecution that they were under. They were under great persecution, great persecution. And so this letter was written to them to encourage them that in spite of their persecution, in spite of their persecution, don't you draw back now. Don't you, don't you go apostate on me. Don't you give up your, your believing. Don't you give up your hope. And so this letter to the Hebrews was very encouraging but we get to the 10th chapter and the 10th chapter takes a whole um new new process and, and, and introduces us to a whole new beginning of what it is that paul wanted to, to communicate to them this 10th chapter this 10th chapter of hebrews is a very powerful chapter and this chapter will bring us to a place to where we can now understand what it is Paul was trying to communicate to the church that has been under great persecution, that has been scattered abroad. When we get to the conclusion of this chapter, we'll see what Paul was talking about. But what I want to do is I want to break this chapter down in maybe three, three to four parts. And I want to take a, a portion of the, the maybe maybe every ten verses and just kind of give us an over, a quick overview of what it is that's communicating so we can enter into the thought. See, it's very important when you study the scripture, you want to enter into the thought that the Holy Spirit is trying to communicate to you, and then you can follow that train of thought on down to the conclusion of the matter. The conclusion of the matter is verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. That is the conclusion that Paul is getting to, that the just shall live by faith. The answer to the question that I presented to you before the broadcast is by faith. That's all it is. It's a simple answer. It is that the challenges that we face as believers, just as they faced challenges back in their day, you are facing challenges today. It may not be to the point to where people are trying to kill you, people are trying to run you out of your home, or people are trying to scatter you abroad. That may not be the issue, but you're facing obstacles, you're facing hurdles, you're facing challenges, you're facing persecution. People are doubting you. People are coming against what you believe, and you have to face those challenges. The one way you face those challenges, the simple way you face those challenges, is by maintaining your faith, by holding on to what you believe. By believing in the things that God has spoken to your heart. Holding on to it. I know it's not easy. I know it's challenging. I know it's a lot of people. I know it's great persecution. I know it looks like you're not going to win. I know you look like you may be defeated. But guess what? We win in the end. We always cause to be triumphant in Christ Jesus. And you got to hold on to that. You got to believe that. That you are an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror. And you will overcome every challenge and every obstacle. If you just hold on. If you just hold on, come on, church. Come on, church. We can do it. We can do it, church. We can do it. We just hold on to what it is God called us to believe. Hold on to it. Hold fast to the profession of your faith without wavering. 
because he is faithful, who's promised. Man, Paul is really trying to get us to see this. He's trying to get us to understand. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say trying. Forgive me. I shouldn't say trying. Paul is getting us to see this. Paul is writing to the church, at, to the Hebrews, and he's getting them to realize that God is with you, and God is for you, and he will fight for you. He'll fight for you, but you can't hold back. You can't fall back. You got to maintain what you believe. You got to hold on to your faith, and God will keep you. God will preserve you, and God will fight. He'll, he'll vengeance is his. Let me, let me get into this. So, so I want to I start in verse 10, I mean, verse 1. And we'll take the first 10 verses and we'll see here that what God was after, uh, and, and Paul rehearsed the whole salvation process uh, to, to, the, to the Hebrews. And what he's after uh, is perfection. We see that. We see that in verse, um, for, actually verse 1. It says, For unto the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never, but with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because the worshipers, once purged, should have no more consciousness of sin. So we see here that God was after perfection. He's after a perfect people. Now, you got to understand, when he's talking about perfect, in this particular context, he's talking about perfect in conscience. He's talking about perfect in that, in that spiritual um, dimension. It's, it's three components to the spirit. Remember, we're triune and not being. We're spirit, soul, and body. And each component of the spirit, uh, each component of the of, of mankind has three aspects to a spirit. I'm sorry, three aspects to three characteristics to each component. So, for example, the spirit man is made up of the intuition, the conscience, and the communion, and the soulless man is made up of the will, the mind, and the emotions, and the physical man is made up. It's primarily um, summarized in its in its sense in its in its five senses. So we see here that. When Paul is talking about perfection, he's talking about perfection in the conscience. Where the conscience is now purged, the conscience is now pure, the conscience is now cleansed before God. And Paul uses those phrases throughout the scripture. A pure conscience, a purged conscience, a cleansed conscience, a holy conscience. So we have a conscience now that is not under shame and guilt and condemnation. And we'll see later Paul refers to it as an evil conscience. Okay? But then it says, it says, but those but in those sacrifices, there was no. Re- there's a remembrance, again, of sin every year. See, the goal is to get man to the place where he wasn't mindful of the things he did wrong ten years ago. Where well, he's not always bringing. He's not living. His sin is not ever living before him. But God is living before him. The Spirit of God is living before him. So we see that the perfection was the was the ultimate goal. And he said, the blood of bulls couldn't do it, but only the blood of Jesus. Yes. The blood of Jesus. See, the blood, and see Jesus said, he said, Lord, I come in the volume of the book to do, it, to do it, thy will, O God. Uh, also in verse, I want to read that verse. It says, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. Wherefore, when he, speaking of Jesus, came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body has thou prepared for me. In other words, the blood, the blood, the life of all flesh is in the blood. The blood of the body is what, he had pre- what God had prepared for Jesus. He prepared Jesus to offer the blood that brings life to the body. That, that, is, that is actually the life of the body, he had offered, he had prayed, prepared a body for Jesus to come and offer that blood and burn offers and sacrifice for sin. Thou hadst no pleasure. He says, Lo, I come in the volume as it is written to me. I come in the volume of the book as it is written to me to do thy will, O God. See, Jesus came to offer the blood of his body that was prepared for him so that the, so that the perfection of the conscience could be made right before God. So that we can stand before God as the scripture says, Holy unblameable and unreprovable 
okay? So those first 10 verses deal with the perfection that God wanted to, to bring forth in mankind. The perfect sacrifice, which is Jesus, produces a perfect salvation, which produces a perfect body of Christ. Therefore, we can walk before him and we can live a holy and a sanctified life before him. Then verses 11 through uh, 25, I'm sorry, uh, 11, uh, 15 through 25, they then deal with a whole nother aspect of the introduction of the new covenant that God would establish with, with the nation of Israel. Remember, God established the covenant with the nation of Israel and we were engrafted into that covenant. He said in verse 16, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord, that I will put my laws into their heart and in their minds will I write them. And this speaks to the faith life. Remember, the faith life by definition is God's word in your spirit. God says, I'm going to create a whole new way of living for my covenant people. I'm going to create a whole new aspect of living life. I'm going to create a life where they have my word in their spirit and then to produce my thoughts in their mind. And they, and they will be able to walk by faith and not by sight. They will be able to live up to what I, how I created them to live. This is the essence of the new covenant where we have the word of God into our spirit, man. And we have a word of God in our thoughts, filling our minds. And then we can speak forth that word and we can walk by faith and not by sight. Then he also said that he said, I won't remember their sins anymore. Their iniquities, their sins, and their iniquities will I remember no more. This is a powerful, powerful aspect because if God don't remember our sins, if God don't remember our iniquities, then you shouldn't remember your iniquities either. Confess that thing before God and forget about it as if it never happened. No remembrance of them at all. Uh, it's a beautiful, I know it's challenging. I know it's challenging to what you've been taught, but it's a beautiful revelation. If you can see, if you can see that the sins and the iniquities that you committed yesterday, God no longer remembers them. They are covered by the blood of Jesus. Jesus was punished. Jesus was punished for those sins. Jesus was judged for those sins. Jesus was whipped for those sins. Jesus was suffered for those sins. So no longer, so you and I don't need to suffer for them. If you allow the enemy, if you allow your friends, if you allow your brother, if you allow your husband or your wife to keep you in remembrance of the things you've done in the past, then they're wrong. That's wrong. God is no longer remembering the things we did that hindered us from being who it is they called us to be. And don't allow your conscience, don't allow nobody else's conscience, don't allow nobody else's guilt, don't allow, allow nobody else's shame to be put on you so that you can't live before God as you're supposed to live. No, now where no where remission of these are, there's no more offering for sin. This is why Jesus did no longer has to be sacrificed on a regular basis for the sins you committed 10 years ago, three years ago, three months ago, five minutes ago. Because, because God don't remember them. And where there's no remembrance, there's no need to offer. What, what are you talking about? What, what, what are you talking about? Ain't nothing, to, ain't nothing to be sacrificed anymore. I don't remember that. That's wiped out. That's done away. No, now where remission of these are, there's no more offering of sin. Ain't no need to offer. Ain't no need to offer no more sacrifices for that sin because he don't remember it. Therefore, come boldly into the holy of holies by the blood of Jesus Christ. By a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. Man, we can come before God now. Holy, unblameable, unfruitful. We can come before God boldly. Because our sins have been wiped away by the blood of Jesus. Because they've been away consecrated for us through the veil. That is the body that was provided for Jesus by God. The blood that was shed by Jesus on the cross. The, the death, the suffering, the pain he went through when he went to the grave and he went through hell. All of those things means that we can come before God into the holy of holies. Where God dwells, where God lives, where the presence of God is. And live with him 
and live from that place and walk by faith in victorious ways, in victorious fashion, and overcome all the challenges that we're going to face as we endeavor to live this faith life God has called us to live. Oh, what a glorious salvation it is. Oh, what a beautiful salvation it is. We love it, we love it, we love it. Verses 25 through 31 says, And having a high priest, speaking of going into Jesus' priesthood, it says, Let us draw near unto God with a true heart, with full assurance. Verse 23 is what I want to amplify. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that is promised. In the midst of persecution, you got to maintain your confession. In the midst of persecution, maintain, keep on saying what it is that God has called you to say. Verse 26 says, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. Now what this is getting into is the whole dynamic of maintaining your salvation, maintaining and keeping your confession. If we sin willfully, we know that there's only one sin, there's only one, will, one sin that we can commit willfully that will keep us from um, walking and continuing in our salvation, and that is apostasy. That is the denial, the outright, flat-out denial, and we see that later on in the, in the, in the, in the, in the uh, we see that later on in the verse, I mean in the chapter, we see that later on in the chapter, that is the outright denial of your faith, and we're going to go on from here. Um, then it gets into the punishment that, that, that's incurred when one goes through a flat-out denial. We see, well, let me see it here. Let's read it in verse 28. It says, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. So in other words, in other words, it's not talking about, verse 26 and verse 28, it's not talking about when you sin, uh, when you mess up, flesh flash. It's not talking about that. Because if that's the case, then, then will nobody make it. Okay? What it's talking about is when you get to the point where the pressure and the persecution is so intense that you say, you know what, this is too hard. I deny ever believing that Jesus Christ's blood was shed for my sin. Ain't nothing to it. It's fake. It's fun. It's, that, that's what it means to become an apostate. And we're going we're gonna to get into that um, in the next aspect of this chapter. But it talks about, it says he that, and then Moses' situation or example confirms it. He says, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy. Now, that word despised there, that word despised there is the sister word to the word apostate or, or the word to draw back or to deny, okay? They didn't despise, they didn't, they despised Moses' law. Or they, that means they rejected, they rejected the entirety of what Moses was talking about. It wasn't that they didn't fulfill one of the aspects of the of the of the law of Moses. No, they missed one or two days, or they didn't they didn't you know they didn't do right here, or they didn't do right there. No, what it was talking about was a flat out rejection, a denial of what it was Moses was trying to give to them. They died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Okay, so now I want to move on to because for the sake of time, I want to move on to verses um, 35, 30. I'm sorry, 32, 39. Because what I want to get to is verse 38. Matter of fact, let's read that one first. It says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not those of who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. The saving of the soul is the ultimate goal in this particular stanza of verses. The saving of the soul. Paul wants the saving of the soul to be the highlight of your salvation process. Remember, the Bible says uh, in Corinthians, your spirit and your body belongeth unto God. It's the soul of man that is still under the pressure of the fallen state of man. It's the soul of man that still needs to go through a renewing or a, um, a um, 
renewal process uh, in our mind, in our will, and in our emotions. It's the soul of man that is last or yet to be fully or completely um, um, given over to the possession of God. Okay, so what we have to see here is that the salvation of the soul is dependent upon me not drawing back. What that word draw back to unto perdition, that word perdition means unto apostasy, unto complete denial, unto you denying that you ever even knew and believed in our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, but then verse 38 says, now the just shall live by faith. Well, why did it say that? Why did it say the just shall live by faith in that particular moment? But if any man draw back, my soul shall not have no pleasure in him. Because Previously, in the, in, the few, in the verses above that, let's actually start reading at verse 32. It says, But call to remembrance the former days in which you were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of affliction. So what Paul is giving here is he's setting a picture and he's giving us a picture of when they were first illuminated. That word illuminated means to be regenerated, to, to have light dawn in your spirit. In other words, when they were born again, when they experienced the life-changing power of the blood of Christ, when they experienced that life-changing power of believing from their heart and confessing with their mouth that Jesus Christ was Lord, boom, they were illuminated. And un because of that illumination, they had to endure a great fight of affliction. So they were under pressure. They were being persecuted. They were being chased around. They were have, they were, had to hide around and, 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 and meet in, in secret places. They were under persecution. We go through similar persecution. We go through the same persecution, the affliction of our soul. Again, when that word affliction, it deals more with, it deals just as much with a soulish affliction, an inner affliction, as it does with a physical affliction. So we might be under an inner turmoil, an inner fight of what we believe, a fight of affliction. They went through great affliction, partly because they, were, they, were, they became the gazing stock both of, by reproaches and affliction, and partly while they became companions of them who were also used. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, when you decided to join this faith life, when you decided to join this faith, this systematic way of believing, you became a gazing stock. People begin to look at you and point at you and say, look at those strange folks over there. They're deciding to, they're deciding to deny Judaism and they're deciding to embrace this new, this new living way. And they became a gazing stock. They, became, they begin to be reproached and they begin to be afflicted. That's because they decided to join themselves with Paul and those others who were preaching this gospel. He says, for ye had compassion on me and my bonds. He, he talks about how they came together. When he, they had compassion with him while, while he was in his bonds. Then in verse 35, he says, but cast not away therefore thy confidence, which had great recompense of reward. The confidence, the confidence, that word confidence means the boldest, the all outspokenness, the assurance that you had when you were first illuminated. You knew God was real. You knew God was with you. You knew the presence of God was around you. You know that God is for you. You believed all those things. He says, now that you're facing persecution, don't give up on those things. Maintain that confidence because when it's all said and done, there's going to be a reward for you. That word recompense there, it means a means of exchange. Your confidence, your assurance in what it is God has spoken to you, what it is that you believe, is a means of you exchanging with God so that he can reward you, so that he can bring you into the rewards of your salvation. Here's how you enter into those rewards, though. Paul says, oh, no, now I know you want the rewards. I know you're looking forward to it. I know you're tired of being persecuted. I know in your mind, this thing's supposed to be bringing me some type of peace, some type of joy, some type of satisfaction. I know you think the same thing in today's life. I, I didn't get saved to go through all of this. Come on, I, I, I've said it myself. I done took my Bible and wanted to throw it up against the wall. But I didn't, thank God, because of the, the, the persecution and the affliction and things that I thought should be happening that wasn't happening at the time. But I endured. I held on. I didn't give up to my confidence. I held on. 
I was ready to quit. But thank God that I didn't forsake the assembly of myself together as the manner of some are. But I maintained my fellowship with my brother and with my beliefs, and they encouraged me. They kept speaking the word of God to me. I kept reading my Bible. I kept listening to a uh, uh, word. I kept listening to Brother Hagen. I kept listening to Brother Charles Caps. I kept listening to, to the brothers that were speaking that word into my life. And I held on. And I didn't draw back. I didn't cast away my confidence, which eventually brought me great recompense of reward. Paul said, for you have need of patience now. For after you have done the will of God, you receive the promises. See, it's after we endure. It's after we go through the affliction. It's after we maintain our confidence. It's after we do the will of God. It's after we maintain the consistency that God has called us to maintain. It's not getting weary and well-doing. Because in due season, you're going to reap if you just don't cast away your confidence. If you just hold on to it. For yet a little while, he that shall come will come and he will not tarry. He's coming with speed and quickness to bring the reward for your confidence in the word that he's spoken unto your spirit. Now the just shall live by faith. That's why Paul was able to declare that. Come on now, we can live by faith. We can deal with the persecution. We can go through the persecution. It's in you to do it. You just, got, can't, you just can't cast away that confidence. You got to keep on believing. You got to have in your mindset that I'm going to believe no matter what because I am the just. I belong to God. He belongs to me. I'm his. He's mine. For that is the essence of the covenant. All that belongs to God belongs to me. And all that I possess, he possesses. The essence of the covenant. Don't cast away that confidence. Don't cast away that, that assurance of believing that God is with you. He's promised you through his salvation that he would keep you, that he would bless you, that he would secure you, that he would deliver you, and that he would prosper you. That's the fivefold dimensions of this salvation he's given us. Now the just shall live by faith. Now the just shall live by faith. Now the ones who've been acquitted shall live by faith. Remember, we've been called to do this thing by faith. You got to stay under the pressure, though. You got to stay with it. You got to remain in the place that God has put you. You got to hope to the end. And you got to be consistent. Because after you follow the instruction that God has given you, after you follow the prophetic instruction that comes forth out of the mouth of the, of the man that God has put into your life to speak to you, the person that God has put into your life to encourage you, after you follow those instructions, then you receive the promises. Oh, thank you for the promises, oh God. Thank you for the promises that they come swiftly, that they come with speed, that they come in a hurry because I'm not one that draws back I'm not one that gives up. I'm not one that quits. But I'm one that wins and I'm one that overcomes and I'm one that conquers to the saving of my soul. Saints, I pray that you have this same confidence and the same assurance that your dear brother Damaris has. I know you have it because I haven't been given anything you don't have. I just pray you've developed it. I just pray you've activated it. So that you can possess the faith life that God has called you to possess. 
Hey, my time is up. I want to thank you for hanging out with me over these last 25, 30 minutes or so. I believe so much in your salvation. I believe so much in you as the believer. I believe so much in us as the church that we are God's solution to all the problems that's facing the earth. But if we don't have our life together, how can we help others get their life together? Come on, church. We can do it. We've been called to do it. There's greatness on the inside of you. There's greatness waiting to be released from you. Say that we say, I will live by faith. I want to thank you for tuning in. I want to encourage you to either share, like, ask questions to the um, to the uh, to this particular podcast because we want to be sure that we're helping you uh, live the life God has called you to live. Uh, subscribe to this podcast and, and tell a friend about it and support us and be a part of supporting us and and taking this. This, this word of faith, this life-changing word to the body of Christ. Thank you. God bless you. We'll see you next time right here from The Faith Life.